BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised, press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel... Go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. Kevin, what did we just watch? Well, Anya, we watched episode 11 of the second season of one of your favorite programs ever, uh-huh. Quincy. <laughs> name of the episode is Sullied Be Thy Name. When did it air? It aired uh, all the way back on May 6, 1977, just a few weeks prior to the release of Star Wars on May 25th, 1977. And it is an appropriate air date, given that this episode features death by tacky orange carpet. 
Yeah, that's actually uh, a big <laughs> plot point, which you've just gone ahead and spoiled for everyone. Well, as now we... people won't have to watch the episode. Yeah, I, I'm a fucking hero, is what you're saying. People should be saluting me. <laughs> you say that every time you wake up in the morning. It's true, but here's the thing: this is this is this was a this was a roller coaster of an episode, guys. Uh, I think you and I, when we first started watching this, we turned to each other eyes sparkling with joy and said we have to review this for mystery to me and i think by the halfway point we were regretting having said that and then at the end it kind of picked back up so (laughs) i don't know i don't know what to say other than this was a this was a wild ride yes it was uh directed by uh jackie cooper who of course you remember our gangs (laughs) our gang he he was crying in our gang (laughs) he was in superman he, of course, played Perry White in the Christopher Reeve uh, Superman movies. Respectable editor directing a not-so-respectable episode of Quincy M.E. Well, were there a couple of moments, though, where it seemed like he was trying? There was, like, a little bit of ambition. There was, like, uh, ambition. This actually, the, the, the show starts off with kind of, like, almost what looks like almost like a fisheye lens or something that, you know, kind of made everything look distorted, and it was taking you through all the seedy avenues of, I guess, L.A. Yeah. And, like, it was, like, it wasn't great, but you felt like there was some effort there. Yeah. Like, oh, we're going to make this look a little bit different, a little bit distorted, a little bit kind of to show that things are not what they seem, and this dark, blitzy part of town is a bit disturbing underneath all the glamour. And then uh, the mystery of the episode <laughs> is it's Quincy's. He, Quincy is just an average working Joe. He works the day shift. But uh, late at night, on the night shift, he gets a special call from one of his detective buddies. Well, I say it's a detective buddy. It's a guy that... Detective frenemy? Yeah, he says, oh, Quincy, you always make waves. He seems to be uh, frustrated with Quincy sometimes. But he specifically requested him on this case in which a man is found dead in the bed of a sex worker. Mm -hmm. And Quincy says, well, what's the big deal? This happens every day. This isn't news. It'll probably happen to me, says Quincy. But the big twist, the shocking twist, is... That's not shocking for anybody born out... Anybody who's lived through the 21st century, let's just say. Which is no one who watched this episode. That's fair. That's fair. People haven't even seen Star Wars yet. This is going to blow your tiny minds. (laughs) Now, they might have read the Star Wars novelization, which had already come out. Had you? Yes. So you were way ahead of the You would have seen this whole thing coming. You would have been smoking your little Kevin cigar. And... I, probably, I probably would have already read the Quincy novelization. <laughs> what a sad state of, of, of your childhood. There must be Quincy novels. If not, I think you should write them. Write some I'm Quincy just fanfic. Get the typewriter going. What do you think Quincy's doing today? Assuming he's still. Well, wouldn't you, wouldn't it, instead of aging him up, because he's already, you know, he's already. Well on in his years by the 70s. He's in his golden years, He's as in some his golden <laughs> Exactly, euphemistically. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be better to just bring him into the modern day and just have him be doing modern things like they did with MacGyver or something? Or- so you see, in, in your Quincy reboot, you have basically Quincy as a one-man CSI operation? Yeah, basically. Who plays the modern-day Quincy? I don't know. You gotta get someone who's really fun but cranky. I mean, because I, I, Jack Klugman is just so good. It, like, because like honestly, he just makes everything kind of interesting. 
Like he, even when he's just having little tiffs with his bar owning buddies, like he's just charismatic and fun to watch. And I think that's what makes the show work more often than not. Cause usually the plots are stupid. It's stupid, but you're like, Oh, what's, what's he going to say? And he's always going on these impassioned speeches and yelling at everybody. And I love that. So I, I don't know who you get to do it today. Kiefer Sutherland. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, you, you, cause you, that's it. Would he be like torturing the suspect? You're not, a coroner's not supposed to do any of this. He's like electrocuting people. <laughs> so I picked one, you pick one. You, who's your Quincy? Uh, let me think. You know who would have been really fun? Who? But he's dead, so it's not a good choice. Lenny Briscoe himself. Oh, Jerry Orbach. Yeah, that would be, fine. <laughs> that would be great. So the twist is, we'll come back to this later. Okay. Yeah, I need time to think. Yeah. Simmer on it. It's never stopped you before. <laughs> the first time in the history of this program, you put thought into something you said. So the the twist is, uh, the dead man is a priest. And, and so the police detective says, by God, we've got to protect his name and prove that he didn't actually die in the bed of a prostitute or a let's, sex worker. Let's cover up for the Catholic Church. What could go wrong? Yes. What could go wrong, folks? And I say this as a Catholic. <laughs> Good God. I just, this made me smile because, like, the the fact that they were getting so pressed over this priest possibly having consensual sex with an adult was just uh, darkly, bitterly amusing all these years later. <laughs> The fact that they were getting so like, I mean, like this guy, this 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 detective, he's screaming, he's ranting, and it's so disturbing because it's like you're just supposed to like look into things, and if you have a gut feeling that something's off, then look into that. But like he's basically telling Quincy, I won't accept that my friend had a side of him that I didn't know about. You need to prove that he was innocent, which of course is not the job of a coroner, no, or a detective. It's not his job to prove one guy. It's your job to look at the evidence and go where that takes you, but you not put your thumb on the scale. Exactly. So you you were concerned with the ethics of this. I'm always big on the ethics. Yeah, I was. I was. It was just like oof. Basically, I mean, they, these guys just use the coroner's offices. They're like, you know, let's make the world what I want it to be office essentially because half the time it's like this doesn't feel right this guy wouldn't have killed himself or this guy wouldn't have seen a sex worker and it's like have you ever considered that you didn't know them that well or that they wouldn't tell you about it hmm <laughs> mr detective <laughs> also you'd think that a police detective would be a little bit more jaded right yeah been around the block a few yeah, times you know come on and i think it's at this point uh, we see uh, uh, there's a news program on, and it's doing a story about the death of this priest, and it's they're giving it only like three or four minutes, and can you imagine a TV news program giving that kind of time to uh, the death of someone who's not like uh, Michael Jackson? I don't, yeah, no, definitely not. They're acting like this guy's famous because he's, he's, he founded a bunch of halfway houses 
and he's leading a crusade against pornography. So everyone, everyone's obviously following up on that. And actually, we get to visit one of his halfway houses. And that was a scene that you found very delightful. <laughs> there's, at one point, there's this other priest talking to the detective, and then one of the halfway house uh, enrollees or whatever, you know, someone who's just out of prison, comes up and is like, tell me it's not true. Tell me he wasn't visiting with a sex worker. I just can't believe it. Did it's he like, say, like, why? 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 Why did this happen to the father? And I was like, oh, my God. Every, everyone's acting so dainty in this episode. <laughs> this guy went to prison for a, a armed robbery and assault. And he's sitting here with his, like, you know, falling on his fainting couch with the smelling salts. Like, I, <laughs> it just was really f- this whole episode was very funny to me. I just, I, I, I love the beginning part because it just sets up this, like, like everyone's getting so outraged and so into this. And the only guy who's making any sense is Sam, the, 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 the doctor's assistant guy or, like, assistant physician. And he's, like, he's basically, like, well, I mean, it looks like a coronary. It looks like, you know, it looks like a heart attack that he had and its natural causes. He wasn't poisoned. Nothing else happened. So, you know, we just got to kind of. Kind of go where the facts lead us, and everyone's like, "No, no, it can't be." <laughs> He's the only sane man in the room at this point. Uh, and then we meet uh, the the main pornographer that he's agitating against, mm-hmm. played by veteran character actor uh, John Saxon, who always wears like shirts that are like three quarters of the way unbuttoned with big medallions. And yeah, it's kind of like what you wear. <laughs> He's aping your style. It was a style that won you. He looks crazy. And he, he he's also making a lot of sense because he's like, well, why are you looking into this? You're the coroner. What are you doing here? Shouldn't you be in the lab? And I'm like, this man is the only one who understands in this whole show. About like what what the like, he's the one asking the real questions. No one else is coming to Quincy and being like, "You need to sit sit the fuck down. What are you doing?" He's delaying his report. Delaying his report. His boss is angry. His boss is like being passive aggressive with him. I mean, it's just. A de- I mean, if he puts this much energy into every single report, it's just. I mean, you got to mention the backlog is a nightmare in that county. Obviously, he's not. Obviously, some he's just slapping out. He's just he's just rubber stamping some of them. But if your friend is a detective, then you know if you die under strange circumstances, then you're gonna that's gonna merit something. Uh, one of the other potential suspects is a, a young lady who later worked with Governor Gatling on Benson. Uh, she's very likable on Benson. A, a bit less likable here. She admits that she told uh, the priest she was uh, had certain interests in him uh, of a romantic nature, <laughs> and uh, she said they had some conversations about everything under the sun. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yeah, she she pretty openly admitted that too. To the coroner. To the coroner. The coroner is like, did you guys have romantic conversations? And she's like, oh, yes. Her like eyes are shining. It's like, what? 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 That's that's odd. That's the whole this whole episode is just so. As you said, you're a Catholic. You've talked to many priests in your life. Is this unusual to have romantic conversations? She's basically admitting to having an emotional affair with a priest. Is that fair to say? Yes. Uh, I don't know if that's unusual. I mean, I've certainly never had an emotional affair with a priest, but I don't. I it could. I'm sure it's. I'm. I'm sure it happens. People are people. You know, even if they take a vow of celibacy and, you know, that that stuff can happen. I can say that it's very much frowned upon. You're not supposed to do that because, I mean, that that's that's bad and confusing for both parties. If if they're if the one if, if you're not going to leave at the least priesthood, by, at least by her account, he wasn't discouraging her. No, he wasn't discouraging her. And he wasn't uh, he wasn't saying like, he wasn't well, ha- he wasn't let having- me reassess. Maybe I should leave the priesthood and he wasn't having sex with her but he was certainly having interesting conversations with her well i think you're allowed to have interesting conversations i'm trying to be use euphemisms here oh you're like you're doing like a 70s detective thing where you're yeah because yeah because i'm trying not to say they were probably talking a lot about sex yeah at one point in the show they had a conversation using euphemisms which went completely over your head i wasn't so listening used... that much it was the boring fr- starting part and they were just you know it, it just like I'm. I'm not listening to the content. I'm watching Quincy's crazy facial expressions, where he's like, you know, da 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 da, and like he's just getting all wide eyed and frustrated. It went over your head, whatever, because you're so innocent. Well, you're such a perv. I'm sure it went right into your head. It went into my head, as it were, because I listened carefully. <laughs> and then uh, the final suspect is a lawyer. He had an unusual appearance. He. He looked like uh, he looked like a wax figure, like a Madame Tussauds situation going on. Just an odd-looking person, and every time they close up on him, you'd be like, "Is that is that person real for us?" Like, like, <laughs> and he's walking around. He's seemingly involved with the lawyer lady who was having the emotional affair with the priest, and he's, you know, he's all over this thing. Like a cheap suit. Yeah. But, you know, the second you see a lawyer come up in one of these things, you're like, you know, he's the bad guy because they're just all, you can't trust him. Isn't that right, Kevin? This is, of course, the part of the episode where Anya makes pathetic attempts to try to bait me. Kevin says that lawyers are princes among men. 
I think. <laughs> I don't know. You be the judge after listening to this. <laughs> and you're saying, well, Kevin, you should completely reassess everything you believe about the world and your profession based upon this nearly 50-year-old episode of Quincy. What if I did that? <laughs> what if I said, oh, my God. Then you'd be waking up to something. Everything I've, I've dis everything I believed is wrong. Thank God for Quincy, for Barnaby Jones. It's woke me up. <laughs> what, what does what Barnaby be... Jones have to do with this? It's the same show. <laughs> it's the same show in the way that, like, you as an awake person is the same as you when you're sleeping. Yeah, it may be you're the same person, but it's a totally different. It's the you're, same you're energy show. level. It's the same show. A vaguely cranky so, so old man walking around. Barnaby Jones didn't seem cranky to me. He seemed way too chill. People would be like dropping like big bricks on his head, and he'd be like, "Oh wow, it's weird." Like <laughs> he was way too chill. And 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 Quincy's not chill at all. That's the difference. They're two different types of old men. And I feel like when it's like you know, this is the difference. When we're talking here, we're talking, we're making eye contact, we're this this animation, we're discussing things. There's back and forth. You know, this, Barnaby Jones is more like what what you were doing last night, which was sleep talking for like a while, and you're not not making any sense, and it's very like you like it, like that's I was Barnaby Jones. I, I was talking in my sleep because it was the only time I get a chance to talk. You're certainly doing a lot of yapping on this show. Because in my in our day to day life, for some reason, someone else is talking all the time, and I never get the opportunity. And that person is Quincy. <laughs> if if you're comparing yourself to Quincy, I'm not going to argue the point. Well, if I'm Quincy, then you're fucking Barnaby Jones, you sleepy old man. You're cranky. Every little thing upsets you're you. You're Barnaby Jones because I can see you like somehow like just like stumbling. The one episode we just watched, there's like electric wires coming down on him, and you're like, "This guy's just a big inconvenience." You're basically Quincy, and you're basically Barnaby, and that's our relationship, folks. How do we make it work? Not even we know. <laughs> I, 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 in fairness, I don't think we can call you Barnaby Jones just yet. We have only watched one episode, so I think you know the jury's out on that. And in fairness. You're probably more like President Logan from 24. What makes you say that, Kevin? Well, that's a little bit of a spoiler because we haven't done that episode yet. I'm sure we would go into that okay. in depth. Okay. <laughs> a very I'm sure specific we decision to bring that up. Uh, so those are our suspects. And also, there's some local color. There's a, a bar that Quincy goes to where the owner of the bar, a very drowsy, sleepy man, always complains. Oh, Quincy, you're posting. Oh, Quincy. <laughs> you're, you're posting on Twitter. <laughs> what year is this? Quincy, you're parking your meat wagon outside. You're parking your police car outside. What's wrong with you? And he likes to tell stories about a man named Markowitz. And you need to know that for the Sacco ending. I first imagined he was talking about the husband of Countess Markowitz, the famed Irish revolutionary who participated in the Easter Rising. But I was wrong, apparently. I thought he was talking about the comedy writer Mitch Markowitz. I guess we were both wrong. Uh, so where do things go from there? How, 
we, we immediately know because it's a Quincy episode. There's never ever a Quincy episode. Imagine where they're like, actually, no, it was the boring answer. Bye, everybody. You know, something bad happened to the priest. Well, he died. He died. <laughs> what could be worse than that? But that it turns out it, he didn't just die. He, he was uh, pretty much murdered. I don't even understand this. So, so basically they, they, they notice way later than they should have. Way, way later. way later than this meticulous coroner should have noticed. He notices that on the guy's neck, there are impressions similar to a tire. And so they figure out that this guy, this pornographer was going to run an article in his magazine about the priest, criticizing the priest. So the priest goes to the pornographer's office, sees the article, has a coronary, at which point they put him in the back of a car in the trunk. He's still alive. Uh, he comes to, he has another coronary and he dies and they drop his body off with the hooker. And, the sex worker. And so then they drop his body off with the sex worker. So I have many questions here. One of which is why do they do this? If he, if he has a coronary in the office of the pornographer, why not just either call it for an ambulance or Call he, the meat wagon. I think you were confused. He didn't have an. Uh, he didn't have the coronary in the office of the pornography. He left the office and then went to the lawyer's office. Okay. Um, I don't know though. It still doesn't really make any sense. I was confused. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense because you'd think the lawyer would be extra scrupulous and be like, "Listen, even though it would benefit my client for this guy to die, I don't want to go to jail on a murder or manslaughter charge. So I should bring him in." It's not it's not that hard. And also he's involving uh a sex worker in his little plot. Uh I don't I don't even understand what he gains by this. Basically what I'm uh, my understanding is that by discrediting the priest posthumously and saying, "Look, he's he's sleeping with sex workers, so he's not so high and mighty that he's basically like making it so that the priest's efforts to make more strict laws on pornography go away because it becomes unpopular because everyone, he discredits the guy. Seems kind of like a roundabout thing. You don't really gain an immediate you win don't. from that, you know. So I'm not defending it. I'm just saying that's my understanding. The whole thing seems like, frankly, wouldn't they have probably done better in the press if they'd tried to save the priest and brought him to the hospital and, like, and like did an interview? Like, yeah, listen, we disagree with him, but we're fucking heroes and we just, you know, we're just trying to save people, you know, like, and like, and buy our pornography. That would have been like a, a great, that's what you would have done. That's like a wholesome branding. Like we saved a fucking priest. So how bad can we be? You know, instead of like, we kind of murdered a priest. They did murder him because Quincy said that if he had, if he survived the first heart attack and if he'd received prompt medical care, they could have saved him from the second one because the stuff you can do, in the hospital to, to help people dealing with that. What? Instead of really? putting him in the trunk. Well, you're acting all, oh, I don't know if it was murder. You're telling me there are things they can do in a hospital to assist in the you're care the of the You're the lawyer sick. who is acting like, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know how they came to murder. They put him in the trunk of the car. <laughs> I don't know why they did it. Yeah, I don't know why they did it either. It just seems like it would have been something 
to not do. And it would have made more sense if the writing had been like, oh, that he was about to blow the whistle on a specific thing that they were trying to keep from coming out. That would have made a little bit more sense. But this was more of like, no, we just kind of want to start a sleazy PR campaign. Not worth, not worth going to jail for murder. Uh, and there's no proof that pornography knew anything about it or the woman. Uh, and so we close with Quincy at the the bar with uh, his detective friend. Suddenly a couple of police officers come in and say, there's somebody up on Suicide Mountain. Was it Suicide Mountain? I think it was Suicide Bridge. This, and why would you name your bridge that? Seems pretty disrespectful. <laughs> there's somebody on, there's a jumper out on Suicide Bridge. His name is Markowitz. And everybody in the bar looks at each other. Ooh. Freeze frame and we're out. Quincy. So this this one in the beginning really benefited from the just outrageous moral outrage that everyone's yelling and running around and screaming. And then the savvy villain, villainous pornographer who's basically like too plot savvy for his own good of like, why are you doing this? And then it kind of lags for a while. And then it kind of comes back with some zingers. So I, I'd say all in all, it's a pretty, it's all right. Wouldn't you rather have seen more of Quincy and less of uh, the angry detective? Yeah, the detective being so angry on behalf of this guy, this priest guy, was kind of weird. Because basically, he's like, "Oh yeah, I doubted his halfway house idea, but then I came around." But it's not like, "Oh, he was my priest that I and I went to his church." It's like, I don't know, why are you getting so crazy? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to the detective? I'm talking to the detective. Yeah, it was really uh, quite the lame affair. But you were enjoying it. For What do you think worked for it? Uh, everything was really broad and ridiculous at first. There's even a scene where Quincy picks up a copy of the pornographer's magazine and is all shocked by it and makes faces. And was I, I, I'm, I'm very tired. I'm not on my A game, barely paying attention. Same. Wasn't there a scene where somebody said, oh, we need somebody to be a pantyhose model? And Quincy says, oh, I'd be flattered to do that. Yeah, that was, that was weird. And the Quincy got turned on at the pornography office because he was looking at the centerfolds. So I don't know if we needed to see that, but we did. That's something for the ladies. I, I guess, uh, I know you were hoping I'd forget this, but I didn't. Uh, who's your modern-day Quincy? Okay, I have two options. One's a little bit uh, less famous, and then the other is a little bit more famous. The less famous. And they're both, they're both play detectives in L.A. in different shows that we've reviewed on this program. So these are some throwbacks for everybody. So if you wanted to do kind of like a fun Quincy, like really just kind of like lean into the fun element of like what's going to happen next. Um, I think you you should get, uh, I think his, his name is Michael T. Williamson from Boomtown. He's kind of a fun, charismatic guy, so you could have fun with that. He played Detective Fearless. So I'd love to bring him back. Give him some work. What's he been doing? Come on. Uh, he was in the revival of WKRP in Cincinnati, right? Wasn't he uh, Bubba Gump? Okay. Well, I, I don't know what any of those words mean. Didn't he uh, recently appear in an arc on uh, Law and Order Organized Crime? Well, let him come in and do this. That's what I say. 
And then the other person, just because I think he, like, he could be more of the serious Quincy, Jason Isaacs. Ah. He could be, like, kind of a darker, grimmer Quincy. Quincy got to start at the coroner's office looking into the death of someone he cared about, and then he's uncovering. He gets more involved than the average coroner because he doesn't think he thinks the police are corrupt and he's he's trying to figure it all out. So that's the more that's the grimmer Quincy. There'd be no humor in that version. There's no humor. It's very self serious. Be joyless. And they totally take the idea of a coroner doing too much as like, oh, we have to write around that instead of just letting him do his thing. So I think I'd probably rather watch the first one, but I think the second one would be more likely to get actually made. Yeah. <laughs> in this viewing invite, it'd be like only on Showtime, Quincy, and then like no Emmy, just there'd be no Emmys at all. No Emmys, no no awards of any kind. <laughs> it'd be like our work, completely scorned, ignored, spat upon. Vilified. Wouldn't it sound thrashing? A well-deserved one, in fairness. Yes. I'd say that the premise behind this silly episode is DOA, but it's still got us saying, give us this day our daily Quincy. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore to underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up Hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T-O. Thanks Thanks so so much much for listening. listening.